0: Good morning. I thought before I um, share today something God has laid on my heart, I would just give you a little background of uh, my life so I'm not a stranger to, to some of you. I was raised in northeast Kansas, and uh, my grandparents were farmers. And uh, so we, the kids, we didn't really work. We kind of played on the farm. And uh, I, uh, of course, I went to high school and then I enlisted in the Navy in 1968 and uh, traveled around a bit and I found myself in uh, 1970. Uh, Our ship was, one of our ships was docked in uh, Alameda, Hunters Point. And I decided to go for a walk in San Francisco, and which I enjoyed doing. I think I walked around the city many times. That probably kept me out of trouble. And I went to the USO, which was a military servicemen center for men and women. And they had a uh, they had a uh, a dance that night, and uh, I met Melanie, and we've been married 43 years. And so, uh, you know, I think that we both we both believe and we both understand that God brought us together. And um, you know, when I met her and when I met Melanie in 1970, I uh, even though I'd been raised in the church, I was disconnected from my faith and from God. I was, I mean, I believe I was secure. John, I believe that Christ had saved me, but something happened. I just kind of walked away, did in fellowship with God, and I knew, I, knew the milita- I knew the chaplains on our ship, and uh, they would come by and pray with, pray with us. Uh, one weekend, I, I came down to stay with the Matthews family and very, very kind and loving people. And you never met Tessie, she turned 100, but she, she used to make a, a really mean uh, uh, plate of spaghetti. And so that's, I used to bring, in fact I asked her if I could bring my, some of my friends. I brought seven sailors. And we all got full of spaghetti. And meatballs and sausage. So that was, that was a great time. I went to church at Menlo Park First Baptist Church in the that was the time, that was the, that was the era where a lot of the youth groups were doing musicals. And that was, it really spoke to me. I was a guy that had been around music my whole life. And I'd been around uh, the Lord, thanks to my parents. But I was, like I said, disconnected from, from church. And I went to this musical, and uh, they gave an altar call. And I, I had to be there. I I was I just felt like that that was my opportunity to get reconnected, and uh, my counselor is the counselor me that night is still my friend Ed Brink in Menlo Park, and uh, I always thank him for being a a, a great counselor and a great friend. Uh, from there, I went on the the Uncle Sam paid for me to go to. Uh, college, and I, so I went to Harvard on the hill, I went to Kenyatta, and then I went up to, uh, then I went to Simpson Bible College, which was in San Francisco, it was on Silver Avenue, now it's in uh, Red, uh, Red Redding, it's in Redding, and it's, it's quite large, and uh, I'm on the prayer team for the school, I just pray for the school, and so... Uh, and uh, after, after finishing uh, Simpson University, which I got a degree in um, biblical studies and a minor in psychology, I, I uh, was praying on what to do, and my friend said, come on up to Oregon. So I went to Oregon and attended and got a master's of divinity from Western Conservative Baptist Seminary. So uh, from there, I went to, uh, I was the associate pastor at Menlo Park First Baptist Church, and then I went to uh, the First Baptist Church of Grangeville, Idaho. Not, not Ohio, not Iowa. There is a place called Idaho. And it's a lovely place. And it's a beautiful place. And we had a great ministry. Then from there, we went to the Emmanuel Baptist Church in Kansas City, Kansas. For 14 or 15 years. And I was able to be with my mom before she passed. And then... Um, then I came from, uh, we came to be caregivers for our parents here in Menlo Park, and we've been doing that for a number of years, and I was the pastor here for eight years. Uh, so, uh, boy, you know, uh, one, of my, one of my good friends that I play music with in Belmont, um, some of you know his mom, his mother Lita Land, she has since gone to be with the Lord, she, he told me, uh, he, he, he used to own a company, and he told me, Dave, the hardest thing I've ever done in my life is retire. He said, it's the hardest thing I've ever done. And I said, oh, no, I, I can't believe you said that, because I'm a lot like you, so it's going to be hard for me. And my dad told me, why do you want to retire, son? You can't sit still for five minutes. So anyway... Uh, I've been praying and asking God to show me what he would have for me in my retirement. I just want to say that I'm, I'm not doing anything officially, but I've kind of landed, I'm ministering to veterans, and, uh, and I go to be, I go where they are, and I do what they do, which is uh, lifting weights, and it's, uh, thank God they're not free weights. They're those machines like you see in the hotel, you know, and I put mine on like one plate, <laughs> and uh, these guys come in there and lift the whole rack, but so anyway, I, I'm, I'm ministering to uh, everybody and hopefully some people in the physical ther- that are getting physical therapy and that are doing some treatments, and uh, so anyways, I just wanted to give you that background. The scripture today is really uh, a basic scripture, and it's it's really to the point. As Russ read in Jeremiah 31 25, God says, I will refresh the weary and satisfy the faint. Jesus said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Of course, the prophet Isaiah says, He gives strength to the weary. And I wanted today to remind us of ways that we can be refueled. It, and I hope you notice the bulletin cover. That bulletin cover is actually Jesus at a gas pump. And he's pumping and, and, and pumping that fuel. And I, I just wanted to sh- share with you how we can be refueled by the Lord. Because we all need it, and that's probably why you're here, is to be refueled. When we're, when we're weary and faint, and everybody gets that way, God refreshes and satisfies. When we hunger for God and his righteousness, we are blessed and we're filled. We, when we need strength, and we all will, God renews those who hope in him. So it's, come, it's in coming to him, it's in coming to the Lord that we find hope, that we find refreshing that we find filling, and that we find refueling. There's another verse that was not read today, but I want to mention it because it's a powerful verse about how we are refueled. And that is Colossians 1, 9 through 11. Colossians 1 says, For this reason we also, since the day we heard of it, do not cease to pray for you and ask that you may be filled, refueled, with the knowledge of his will. We're not just, we don't just go to God and say, God, I'm, I, just, I need you to fill me, or I'm, I'm, I'm not happy and I need you to fill me with happiness. I believe that God wants us to be filled with the knowledge of his will. What, so what does God want for you? What does God want for me? With all wisdom and understanding, how do we use the knowledge that we have? How do we practically put it into practice that we may walk worthy of the Lord? What's our purpose in life? The reason why, one of the reasons why we're here today is so that we can take what we we learn and, and, and put it into practice in our daily lives, that we might be fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God. Strengthen with all might, according to his glorious power, for all patience and long-suffering with joy. Okay, Here, here's the deal. God's word, God's presence, is the gas pump. OK? So when next time you pull up to a gas pump, think about hooking up to Jesus. Hooking up to His, every time you read God's Word, you're putting the fuel and the power of His presence and His Word into your heart and life. God's Word is the fuel. God's Word is the pump. The knowledge of God, that is His Word, His truth, and His promises, is the fuel that comes out of the pump. The Spirit of God is the power, and your heart is the tank. Think about that next time you gas up. Because not only do you need to gas up your car, you need to gas up your life. We need to gas up our life and refuel in the Lord. God's word is the pump. God's, the knowledge of God is the fuel. The spirit of God is the power. And our heart is the tank. I used to get a phone call Maybe you've had this phone call. Uh, I had, at at one time, my kids who are now a little older were, you know, all lovely teenagers. And I used to get phone calls from them, especially my lovely daughter. And she would say, Dad? I'd say, what time is it? It's 1.30 in the morning, and I'm out of gas. Okay. Then I got serious. Where are you? and uh, how, how can I get there, and can you? I'll be there in 20 minutes. So I'd go get a gas can if I had one. If I didn't, I'd have to go find a place to buy one. I'd fill my gas can and go find my daughter, and sometimes she was in uh, strange places, and I would get her gassed up and get her, get her home. Somebody told me once that your gas gauge When your gas gauge gets to a half tank, you should get in the habit of just filling it. But most of us don't do that. We just put it off until we're running on fumes. And then we either run out of gas or we have to make a phone call or something. As followers of Christ, we find ourselves running low on fuel. You know why? I suppose... One reason why is because most of you here are givers. And you give, and you give, and you give, but you have to replenish what you give. You have to replenish, you have to refuel, or else you're gonna just find yourself running out of gas, running on fumes, burning out. It's hard enough to care for yourself and for your immediate family and friends, let alone everyone else. I want to remind us today what it is specifically that we can do to get refueled. And I hope that you'll do this. I, I certainly try. The first, the first reminder today I'd like to give you is just simply this: Do what Jesus did. Jesus Christ, Son of God, Savior, God in the flesh, got tired, and he got weary, and he got stressed out, and he got hungry, and he needed to refuel. You, you, you get me? Where did he refuel? He went to a lonely place and he prayed. And it says he did this early in the morning. Now, if Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God in the flesh, needed to pray, I believe that speaks volumes to us. We need to find a place to pray. How many of you have seen the movie uh, War Room? Okay. I encourage you to see the movie War Room. I mean, I'm not one of these people that, that has to see, that every movie has to be a Christian movie. I saw it on television but it was really good. It was just down to earth, and it was, it was real. Well, you and I are in a battle. We're in a spiritual battle. And probably the last thing that Satan wants us to do is to pray. Because that's where our refueling takes place. That's where our power is. But you and I need to find that place and refuel. Where is your, where's your prayer place? You have a, in the movie War Room, they have a little place that they, they pray. Uh... I don't know where you go, but you need to try to find a place that you call your prayer place. Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. He went to a lonely place. He went while it was still dark, saying to me, it's probably good to start our day with prayer. You say, well, I expect Jesus to do that. I mean, he's God's son. It would be obvious that he would pray. Yes, But remember, although he was fully divine, he was also fully human, subject to temptation and weakness, yet in his life, without sin. Jesus wasn't the only one who did this. Hannah, a woman of God, Hannah prayed. She found a quiet place. Abraham, Moses, Samuel, David, Nehemiah, and Paul. They were all men and women of prayer. And they 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 not only prayed for others, but they prayed for themselves to get refueled because in their life, they gave themselves to other people and they found that they needed to be refueled. So how do you refuel? The word of God, the presence of God is the pump. The knowledge of God is the fuel. The spirit of God is the power and your heart is the tank. How do we we refuel? Do what Jesus did. Just copy what he did. Follow his example. Find a place every day, as early in the day as you can, and pray. Secondly, learn to to gas up as you go. During the Cold War, the Strategic Air Command, which which is our nation's defense system, operated 24 hours a day as a shield of protection. At any given moment, planes were in the air and they were ready. If something happened, those planes did not land. They were refueled in flight. And they took care of business uh, if they were needed. They flew constantly and they refueled in mid-flight. We need to, you and I as Christians, need, how to, need to know how to refuel In flight, since we can't always go on vacation every time we get stressed out. I mean, it just won't happen. We, we don't have the time. We don't have, we don't have the finances. When I was fairly young in ministry, some of you, hopefully, some of you are thinking, "Well, you're still fairly young." When I was fairly young in ministry, I met and I fellowshipped with other pastors. I did that for 34 years. And it was really helpful to meet with other pastors. I would go and I think my favorite thing was a prayer summit. And we prayed for three days for the world. And for ourselves and our families and our churches. It was awesome. We prayed for the sick. We prayed for crises in the world one of the gentlemen that i met many many years ago was well dressed always well dressed he was a nice and you wouldn't meet a nicer guy and he was really funny but the more i talked to this pastor the more i realized he was tired he was burned out he was cynical and he was bitter. His language was harsh and angry. His body language was disengaged. He was fueled out. He was flamed out. He was. He told me he was leaving the ministry. Well, that's, I mean, there's a, there's a time for that. There's an appropriate time for that. But it just didn't seem like it was the, his time to me. I was idealistic. I was a little bit in shock, and I felt sorry for him. I liked him, but I hoped in my heart as I talked to this brother, I hoped in my heart that I would never become like him. I didn't want to become cynical about my church. I didn't want to become bitter and angry. But you know what? Let me tell you, if, if the truth were told that day, this would be the truth. This young guy that was in his 30s at the time, I was feeling stressed, burned out, tired. I was a little bit like this friend that I did not want to become like. I felt discouraged, but I felt like I didn't have the time or the money to go on vacation. But... Even when I went on vacation, I felt like I was never refueled because I was carrying with me wherever I went in the world my stress, my frustration, my worry, my impatience, my jealousy, my emptiness, my envy for other pastors, my sin, if you will, and my inabilities to do what God had called me to do, began to overwhelm me as a 35-year-old. I felt just totally overwhelmed at ministry. I don't think anybody ever told me that I remember about refueling as you go. I discovered something. Look, Can you look at me? I discovered something that changed my life, and that's why I'm here. I'm going to be here a couple minutes, and I'm out. But I want to share with you what changed my life as a young person in a, starting my career. Because this may, this may apply for any... This, this is not just for pastors. This is for all of us. I really began to, to try to do what Jesus did. And I've tried to find a place every day to pray. I discovered something called prayer walking. I never heard about it. No one ever, I never heard a sermon about it. I I never went to a seminar on prayer walking. All I know is that every time I tried to pray, I fell asleep on my knees. So I said, man, I gotta move. So I began to move. By the way, my doctor says, whatever you're doing, keep it up. it's just simply prayer walking, profoundly prayer walking for 34 years. Um, he's, every time I take a treadmill, I always just go, you know, he goes, Well, you know, we're going to have to ramp this thing up because we're not getting any heart rate. And I said, Well, thank God. Uh, so, anyways, I discovered prayer walking by accident. I was an associate pastor. And I was with some guys and gals, and they said, we're going to go running today. And I knew I was in trouble when all the runners had a waist belt with water bottles. And I just knew that I was in big trouble. They were going to go a long ways. I couldn't keep up with everybody. And so I said to them, go on ahead. I'll be fine. And so I began to walk. And as I walked, I thought about my life and my issues and my family, my church, In my community. And I I was in a state of being overwhelmed. And I slowed down and God showed me I needed him. So I began to talk to God as I walked. And I said three words. Help me Lord. You know in my life. I've never never prayed real long prayers. My prayers are not eloquent. My prayers are not intellectual. My prayers are desperate. And the prayers I pray in private are especially desperate because I'm not only praying for myself, I'm praying for my family and the world and my church. It was a cry of desperation and dependence upon the Heavenly Father. That began, prayer walking began for me, the best habit I've ever had in my life. Prayer walking, I didn't intend to refuel, but I was and I am. I came half empty. I came running on fumes. I walked and I prayed. And I could, I could almost sense the gauge of my heart going from E, empty, to, to full. I could almost sense myself filling up. And I guess I should expect that because God's word, God's presence is the pump. And the knowledge of God is the fuel. And the more that you know about God, the better and the more, according to God's will, you will pray. Because you know who God is. You know what He can do. Your faith is, enlarges. The Spirit of God is the power. The heart, your heart is the tank. Do what Jesus did. Learn to refuel as you go. Walk and pray. Memorize some scripture. Have a prayer place. Start each day with praise and thanks. As we start each day with praise and thanks, it affirms and builds our relationship with the Father. You know, God doesn't refuel us simply because He, by, by giving us what we ask for, God refuels, refuels us by teaching us to depend upon Him for the long haul. Every time we, we praise and thank God, we get our life back into focus. Every time we praise and thank God, we humble ourselves before God. It's the humble, not the arrogant, that God fills over and over again. Because the humble understand more and more how much you and I need Him. Psalm 1611 says that when we go into God's presence, He fills us Not only with his presence, but he fills us specifically with joy. And you say, is is joy that important? I believe so. Because Nehemiah says in chapter 8, verse 10, the joy of the Lord is my strength. So in God's presence, I receive the joy. And I need that joy because tough times will be coming. And that joy becomes my strength. How do we refuel? We do what Jesus did. By the way, I'm sure there's lots of ways to refuel. This is what works for me. Do what Jesus did. Learn how to refuel your life in mid-flight. I would suggest finding your place to pray. Find, for me, it's prayer walking. I got to tell you, kind of a, its not really—it's kind of humorous, but I was at my sister's house. In small town in uh, Kansas, v- our dad had just passed away. I was visiting with my sister, and I felt like I needed to go and get refueled i just so I went for a prayer walk. It was about a hundred degrees and <laughs> so i 'm walking down the road, I had no idea that in the town there was a uh, a mental institution so i'm walking down the road and you know i just i sing and i praise god and i thank him and i talk to him and sometimes it, it i mean it doesn't get crazy but it gets i'm not whispering and these i walked past all these houses and i waved and they called the cops They called the police. So when I came back from my prayer, I came back, and by the way, my dad had just died. I was trying to, de- I was dealing with that too. So I came back from my prayer walk, and I'm there's a police car, and he wanted to know, you know, what I was doing. Was I did I escape? <laughs> and then I said, Well, sir, my father just recently died. And I'm trying to deal with that, and I'm I'm just praying. He goes, "Oh my gosh, forgive me. I'm so sorry." And off he went. Do what Jesus did, refuel in mid-flight. If you, do do something, I would suggest that just find your place to pray. Start your day with praise and thanks. It will get you back into focus. And remember that God's grace goes deeper than your sin and my sin. Sometimes our sin, we get so overwhelmed with our sin that instead of letting God forgive it, we, we don't allow Him to forgive us, and we don't forgive ourselves, and we put ourselves on the bench. And we say, well, I did something so horrible, God could never use me again. God's grace goes deeper than our sin. We don't pray because we're worthy of an audience with God. We don't pray because we're holy and deserving of God's favor. And we don't stay away from God because we feel dirty and sinful. We come to God sincerely, just as we are, with all our sins, our failures, and we just acknowledge those. And we, we pray a prayer that one of our pastors had preached about. Remember the publican and the Pharisee? And he said... Have mercy on me, a sinner. That's a great great prayer. Because we're we're followers of Christ, but we sin. But we don't need to let that sin dominate our lives. And so we come as we are. And we're filled with hope and assurance. Our burdens are released. Our sins are confessed. And now we become overwhelmed, not with our sin, but we're overwhelmed with God's grace and God's love to forgive us because God's grace goes deeper than any sin we could ever commit. God wants to love and forgive all of us and fill us and use us even when we think he has given up on us because the word of God is the pump, the knowledge of God is the fuel, the spirit of God is the power, and our hearts are the tank. So in closing today, I want to remind you of a few things that can help you refuel. And I'm pleased, I'm not trying to be arrogant. I, I, I am simply saying what God has helped me with because there's been so many times in my life I, be, I was becoming and I became just like that minister that I didn't want to become like. Cynical and bitter and unforgiving. And it's those times of being in God's presence that God took that away. God takes that away. Do what Jesus did. Go to your heavenly Father. Refuel as you go. Pray and seek God often. Start with praise and thanks. Know God more and more. The more you know God, and the more you know his word, the more effective you'll be in prayer because you will know his will. You'll know, you'll have a better idea of what he wants for his glory. God's grace and forgiveness goes deeper than our sin. Don't say, why bother? What's the use? Say this, why didn't I come sooner? I don't have to give up. I can hope in Him. I can come to Him, hunger for Him, and He forgives me. He refreshes my soul. He blesses me and fills me and strengthens me and renews me and refuels me. I'm going to, as I wrap this up, I'm going to say something that... uh, may be shocking to you, but it sure would be shocking to, to the world, and that is this. We're weaker than we think we are. We're really weaker than we think we are. On a recent prayer walk, I had a conversation with a construction worker. He was directing traffic on my, near my house. And Jason, Jason and I are on first, first name basis now. I see him every day. I walk right past him. And uh, we had a conversation, and I, 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 when I walk, I feel young. I don't feel like I'm 65. I just, I'm just, I, I, I wish I could run, and I would, I would. And I get out, and I'm walking around, and this guy comes up to me, and Jason, whom I thought he would probably think, gosh, yes, you know, Dave must be like 45 or 50, or, and he says to me, so Dave, what are zoot suits like? And I said, Jason, zoot suits were for people that were born, like in in the 1920s, like to the 1930s. I'm a little later than that. I don't know what zoot suits are like. (laughs) Um, You know, apparently I'm not as I'm not as young looking as I feel. We often, as Christians, we feel okay. We feel strong enough as Christians. Everything seems to be going okay. But then the bottom drops out in our life, and we meet difficult people. We go through difficult times. We have difficult circumstances, and life becomes impossible. It's in those times we realize how much help we need. We realize that we're weak, and we're weaker than we thought we were. We shouldn't be surprised We shouldn't be surprised that we feel weak. The Apostle Paul said, it's when I'm weak that I'm really strong because it's in our weakness, when we understand our weakness, that God comes and fills the tank. I can't do this. I can't make it. I'm desperate for you, God. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength, who refuels me and fills me. When I'm weak, then I'm strong. The last, the last point I want to make is get connected and stay connected with the Lord. Just before World War II in the town of Itasca, Texas, a school fire took the lives of 263 kids. There was scarcely a family in the town that was not touched by this horrifying tragedy. After the war, the town built a new school which featured what was called the finest sprinkler system in the world. The town was very proud of their new school Honor students were selected to guide citizens and visitors on tours of the new facility, show them the finest, most advanced sprinkler system in the world. Never again would a fire disaster happen. Many years later, the town had grown and it was necessary to enlarge the school. And in adding the new new wing of the school, it was discovered that the sprinkler system had never been connected. I say... When, you're, when you start your day as Jesus did, start it in prayer and pray often throughout your day and learn to refuel your life in mid-flight. You will know Him better. You will know who He is, how He loves, and what He wants, what God wants. You will walk more humbly and depend upon the Lord and you will be more full. Your weakness will become God's strength. Within you and through you, so I say, stay connected. Keep coming to Him. Keep it real. You know, I, I was praying with a group of uh, college students one time, and they said, "These are all phony prayers. Nobody's being real, man. You guys are talking about." This. He said, "I'm an alcoholic." Other guy said, "Well, I'm I'm struggling with," and and it went on. So from then on, I've never forgotten this one gentleman's comment keep it real. Find some place you may not be able to do it in front of your friends. Find a place where you can keep it real in your prayer life, where you can pray with desperation what's really on your heart. And God will keep you filled and refueled. Because God's word, God's presence is the pump. The knowledge of the word of God and the knowledge of the promises of God is the is the fuel that will refuel you time and again. It's the Spirit of God that will be your power. And your heart is the tank that God will fill. Shall we pray? Lord, I, I could stand here today because my parents prayed for me. I can stand here today because my pastors prayed for me and my close friends in men's men's Bible study and accountability groups prayed for me and I prayed for them. Thank you, Lord, that it's by your grace that we're here. Thank you that your grace is amazing because your grace goes deeper than any sin that we could ever commit. Thank you, Lord, that you love us unconditionally. Thank You, God, that You're longing for us to come to You because You desire to fill us. You know that we can't run on fumes. Lord, touch us all today. And Lord, bring us to the pump of Your presence. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.